Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. What's up, addicts? My name is Patrick Allen. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I am joined, as always, by Matt Verderam. It is our Super Bowl preview episode of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I am super jacked up. I'm super excited. And I'm ready to see the Kansas City Chiefs run it back. Verderam, it is Thursday morning. It's 1.40 p.m. Central Time when we're recording this. How, how are you feeling? We're getting closer to the game. Good. I feel the exact same, by and large, as I felt a week ago. I think Kansas City is in a very good position for this game. I really do. I'm excited. Won't lie. I'll be nervous as hell on Sunday. But uh, I feel good. I really I feel confident. I'm feeling good, too. I'm feeling good, too. I was working downstairs this morning, so I had the TV on, was just kind of watching some of the punditry and all that stuff on ESPN and NFL Network, watching people talk. I read through ESPN's. They had like a million people. I think they had every employee in the in the history of ESPN pick the game. They talked to the, I talked saw to the custodians, that, yeah. the people in the lunchroom, uh, and it was, I think, 69 people of however many picked the Chiefs, and that was the overwhelming majority. Um, what, what stuck out to me, and we'll get to this later at the end of the episode for us, but what stuck out to me was there are a lot of people who were picking the chiefs by a lot, by 10 points, 11 points, eight points. So right. Interesting. Very interesting. I saw that. I, I did click into that and, um, you're right. It was like three quarters of the people picked the chiefs. Um, and nobody picked the bucks by more than the score. In fact, most people picked them by a point or two, um, yeah, Kansas City. There were some people who picked them by like seventeen. One guy picked them like twenty-four. Um, I don't see that happening. I mean, you never know, but that'd be great. Uh, but I look. Mike Golick was on the radio in Kansas City. I can't remember what show it was earlier on Thursday, and he was like, "Look, at this point, we're on television, just trying to find a way to pick against Kansas City because it's boring otherwise." Yeah, pretty much. Fair so. Point. Yeah, it's just, listen, they're better. There's a reason they're favored. There's a reason they've been favored every single game this year except for one, and that game they hammered the Ravens. They're just the better team. Um, I think Buffalo was a better team than Tampa Bay is, to be honest. I don't think it's all that close. I think Buffalo's a harder team, every bit if not even hotter than Tampa, the better quarterback at this point, and can't say destroyed Buffalo. So, look. Could the Bucs win? Sure. Do I think they will win? No, I don't. I think the Chiefs are the better team, and I think they'll show it on Sunday. Very, very excited for the game. We're going to dive into all of it. we got a few things to get to first. I wanted to start us off with, um, and I mentioned this just before the start of, of the episode I did last night. We just we had some sound from Willie Rofe, which we'll also talk about, and uh, some of our bonus content from this week. Uh, but... Some sad news yesterday, uh, former Chiefs coach, head coach, Marty Schottenheimer, was moved into hospice. If you guys weren't aware, he has been dealing with Alzheimer's for a few years now. Uh, just It's just a really sad situation. Uh, Marty's, I know for so many Chiefs fans, and you and I, Matt, in the time that we were coming up watching those Marty Schottenheimer teams, uh, he was a big figure. He, he, the Chiefs were good. He was the head coach. He was the guy in charge for younger people who were younger, like we were during that time. The first, yep, first head football coach of the Chiefs for us. And um, 
and also just a, from, by, from everything we hear, just a really great man, just a nice man, family man, um, love the game, incredibly successful football coach. And uh, I definitely feel it. I had never met Marty Schottenheimer, but I, I feel it. And I, I really feel for his family. I watched his daughter did a TED Talk. If, you, um, you know, if you're interested and you're interested in helping out with, with Alzheimer's research, go and look up that TED Talk and watch the passion with which she spoke about what her family's going through and how much she loves her father because I, it could happen to any of us. And it's a horrible, horrible disease. And um, maybe... You know, some good can come out of what's happened to Marty is maybe Chiefs Nation, Chiefs Kingdom can get behind him and donate to some Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's research. That'd be great. I think it's a great idea. And you're right. You know what it does? It's, it's a prevalent disease. It gets a lot of people. My nana actually has it right now. And it's, it's, it's you know, a horrible thing to watch. And God knows, you know, as unfortunate as it is, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this knows somebody or knows of someone who has it. When I saw the news with uh, with Marty, now I was aware that he had been struggling with it. He's had it for a while. Um, this is the hospice thing, unfortunately, is new. But he's he's had this this ailment for years. Um, yeah, I became a fan in '93, so he was right in the you know the peak of his powers as a Chiefs head coach. And I've always thought, and I'll forever I, I've felt this before he got sick. I'll feel this long after he's gone. Nobody in the history of the NFL has gotten more of a raw deal with how he's remembered than Marty Schottenheimer. Nobody. The idea that Marty Schottenheimer is some kind of a choke artist in these playoff games. Go back and find me the game where he had the better quarterback and he lost. Go find me the game. Yeah, I'm going to save you time. It doesn't exist. He never once lost a playoff game where he clearly had the better quarterback. You go back to his Cleveland days, okay, the teams he lost to, he lost to Warren Moon, Dan Marino, and John Elway twice. Okay, That's who he lost to. And by the way, if you go back and watch some of those Cleveland games, they don't even lose if they don't turn the ball over, and that's not on him. The Chiefs had all those years where they had Steve Bono and Dave Craig and Steve DeBerg, and they were losing to Jim Kelly and Dan Marino again and John Elway again. You know, Bono lost to Harbaugh in 95. When they had Montana, they lost to Marino, but the Dolphins were the better team. And, and Marino at that point was the better quarterback. And the one year, the one year he had a real quarterback, the Chiefs, who was still playing well, 93 Montana, they went to the AFC title game. And they lost to a team that went to four straight Super Bowls with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. And then he went to the Chargers. And if Marlon McCree just goes and falls over, they beat the Pats, but they lost to Brady. And then he gets fired off a 14-2 and two season. Like, There's always this idea that well, they lost because they were conservative. They were conservative because their quarterback sucked. That's their conservative. He wasn't good. You go back and look at the box scores. He was not conservative at all with Bernie Kosar. And he was not conservative with Joe Montana. Yeah, he was conservative with Steve Bono. Have you seen Steve Bono? The only way you were winning was being conservative and playing defense. I think... He is one of the greatest coaches I've ever seen. He won everywhere he went. And for people who aren't familiar with the history of the Chiefs, I'm sure most of you are, the Chiefs were a raging tire fire for 20 years before he showed up. And they were instantly the best team in the 90s in terms of win percentage. Better than the Cowboys, better than the 49ers. So I, I give him a lot of credit. He was a far better coach than anyone will ever remember. And it's a shame. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you what, everybody always forgets that he coached a season in Washington. And Dan Snyder fired him, I believe, after one year. And they yes. start, the Washington stunk, and they stunk for the first few games under Marty. And I think he finished 5-3 and three that season. And they fired him. And it just... And then how'd that work out for them? How did it work out for the Chargers after they fired Marty? I mean, not so good. You know, a lot of Philip Rivers' success came early in his career when he was with Marty. It's just, yeah, it's uh, it was unconscionable. With Washington, he started zero and five and finished the year eight and eight, and they fired eight him. and eight. Okay, and right. you're right. After one year, one year, and they and they fired him. I mean, that's. No, nobody's had worse luck than Marty Schottenheimer. Nobody. Okay, and that team. You know the quarterbacks were on that team that he went eight and eight with: Tony Banks, Kent Graham, and Sage Rosenfels. That team won eight games, and he got fired. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and he, he turned he turned him around. He turned them around, and had him going in the right direction. And there is no, yeah. there is not a doubt in my mind. If they kept Marty for a few more years, they would have been a winning football team. Oh, no question. No question. And that's just, you know, I mean, that's the blundering idiot that is Dan Schneider. Um, and, and then AJ Smith in, in San Diego, they, they, you know, he, he didn't like Marty for whatever reason, 14 and two have fired him. Uh, by the way, the chargers, yeah, uh, never been that successful again. So yeah, yeah to, to me, He's a Hall of Fame level head coach. I, I get he never went to a Super Bowl. I don't care. Like, you know what? Sometimes, like, is he a better coach than Gary Kubiak who won a Super Bowl? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, what, what are we talking about? Is he a better coach than Brian Billick? Yeah, he was. Right? Like, Marty, unfortunately, got derailed by the fact that most of his career, he either didn't have a good quarterback or he had a good quarterback and ran into the all-time great quarterback. That was usually yep. it. I mean, there wasn't much more to it than that. Yeah, terrific coach, and and we're sending our thoughts and prayers to the Schottenheimer family. And uh, yeah, you know, this is this is a silly football thing, but I know that when I'm watching that game, I'm going to be hoping that the Chiefs win, and I hope they win this one for Marty. I know, you know, there's people in the organization that have been there since Marty was there. Players don't know Marty, but personally. Right. That's that's how I feel about it. This one's this one's for Marty for me as a fan. Um, all right, let's let's get into some listener reviews. Um, we got an updated review here from uh, from Stockholm Stockholmless. Uh, this was the review we got a while back. Niche content for Chicago peanut butter and chocolate fans. We got the update here. Uh, first, it is unconscionable that you guys have haven't talked about Mahomes magic in your serial rankings. Obviously. It's unrivaled. Well, look, we're not in Kansas. That's, that shit's hard to get. Like you can, you can right. just walk into the grocery store. They don't have it here in Chicago, man. You got to buy. You know. Can you imagine if they stocked that in Chicago? There'd be a riot. Right. With, with <laughs> right. The- Instead, you got to buy. You got to buy crappy crunch if you're a Bears fan because that's all you're yeah. getting. They ain't making cereal for the Bears. No Trubisky cereal. Um, so obviously, uh, the, the review continues. Uh, second. Now that we're heading to the Super Bowl, I'd love to hear you guys talk about the weird superstitious things you do. <clears throat> this is a good one. For instance, I put buffalo wings on the menu for Sunday's game only to be reminded by my dad that they're the national cuisine of, 
uh, of Buffalo, New York, and are therefore cursed. We still ate them, but I was 100% willing to shoulder all of the blame if we lost in the AFC Championship. What a weird, what weird nonsensical things do you do to ensure a double W? And I'll tell you what, I also made homemade wings in the deep fryer for the AFC championship game. And I was, I, I was super nervous about it. I was like, I don't know if I should be doing this. This is probably bad juju. Uh, what, what, what about you, Verter? And what, do you have any weird traditions? You, do you try to wear the same Jersey or do you get these things pop into your head that like, I shouldn't do this cause I, it's bad luck. Usually for the big games, I'll break out on the Holmes Jersey. Uh, that we actually we were at this stadium a few years ago, balling at the stadium. Um, but I don't. I, I the only two things, and they're not superstitions. It's just because I'm a nervous wreck. Is I usually don't sit during the games, and I uh, I usually don't eat before the game if it's a if it's a big game. I you know if it's look if it's week four, what I will not eat during the game though ever. I don't like I'll get physically ill. So. Um, you know, I, I, this year, you know, tomorrow I'm heading home to watch the game with the old man and I, we're going to have so much food and I don't think I'm going to eat any of it because I'm going to be such a wreck for the day. You know, now, now the game's at six 30, so I'll eat like lunch and whatnot. But once we hit about three o'clock, other than maybe, you know, grabbing a ch- couple of chips or something that that'd be about it. I'm not, I don't drink during games. First of all, most of the time I'm working during the games, even if I'm not. I don't drink during the games. I don't, you know, I none of that. I, I never go to bars. Like, I watch the game either with the old man or by myself. That's about it. Like, I, I don't, I'm too nervous. Like, I can't sit at a bar and listen to some guy scream at me. You know, I, I can't do that. So I don't have superstitions really, but I do have those nervous quirks for sure. Yeah, it drives me nuts. I like I, I like to go to the bars and be with Chiefs fans, and I like going to the stadium, obviously, but I always end up next to some guy who doesn't know anything about football. And it's just like every every time they get a first down, the other team gets a first down. They're like, "What are you doing? You guys!" Suck. And I'm and I'm like, "Dude, it's like they're gonna move the football. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They can't stop them on every play." There's nothing down. worse than this guy. Come on, gotta hit him. Yeah, thanks, thank thanks right. for that blindingly great analysis <laughs> out of the 18th <laughs> right. row over there. While you're holding right. two cores lights and you're smoking yeah. a lung a lung dart. Thank, thanks for your 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 just brilliant <laughs> defensive yeah. coordinatorship. Uh, come on, get in there. Yeah, okay. Or yeah. The, actually, the, there is one guy worse than that. The guy who I think is thankfully becoming more rare, at least in my circles. But I could have gotten five yards on that play, bro. You couldn't have gotten five inches. Like, right. I, you have no idea. Like, I've I've met and shook hands with plenty of these guys and talked to them. I've been on the field for a few NFL games. I can tell you with certainty when these guys hit each other at full speed, and I'm not kidding, it sounds like a bomb going off. So trust me when I say <laughs> yeah. Larry up in the upper deck who thinks he could take one off tackle for five yards. Okay. Larry's going to be on the ground passed away after about six inches. Okay. Right. When some linebacker fills the gap and hits him into next month, like it. I cannot. It drives me. I could have hit that pass. No, you could. Like, have you ever held an NFL regulation football? Yeah. Most people couldn't even get their hand around it. Like, right. You're big. Like, the football's yeah. like, and and yet you know, and yet Bobby up there in the 31st row, eight cores lights deep, can just somehow. Apparently, he's ready to throw a post route in in the face of a blitz at, at a given note. That's great. Thank you for that. 
Yeah, yeah. Larry, I don't think Larry gets out of the tunnel. Larry, the the jog from the from the locker room through the tunnel onto the sideline, and and Larry, they're bringing the oxygen over for Larry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That or Larry sees like a crossfire blitz and just falls over, which is the which is the <laughs> right. smart move. Okay. Yeah. But that's not gonna make it in the NFL. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, I don't do too many crazy superstitious things, but they do run through my head. I do have uh, a pair of uh, uh, Chief socks that I'll wear on game day occasionally. Although this playoff run, Mag got me a pair of Patrick Mahomes socks for uh, for Christmas. So uh, I'll throw those on. Um, part of me feels a little... It, it's, it's weird because I've got a million jerseys, but I was like, is it weird I'm wearing a, a grown another grown man's face on my socks? And I thought about it, and I was like, <laughs> you know what? No. Like, he's like two steps away from Jesus Christ as far as I'm concerned. So, like, you know, we're... Uh, like, It's not like I'm just wearing a picture of socks with Verderam's face on them. That would be That's that right. would be strange. That would be strange. If, if you think in Kansas City, and I don't mean to insult anyone who's religious out there because I'm actually religious, but so take this as the joke it is. But if, if they... If, like... If somebody opened up the Church of Mahomes, like would would people go to it? I I, I absolutely, hundred like, percent. I I feel like people like if you look. No, I'm not saying like replacing you know like regular mass or whatever you go to like you know. Right. But I'm talking about like Saturday nights. It's just listen. It's one hour. Somebody goes up and gives a testimony about how much they love Mahomes, and then you just run highlights. For like twenty minutes. Oh, this is a right? great bar like, concept. Right? This is like, a great bar concept. Like, and instead of getting communion, like you get like a, a rookie card or something. Like, I think people would go berserk. Like, you <laughs> yeah. would pack that mother to the hilt, right? Like, it would be yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Get up there and like the instead of doing you like could, a, you couldn't use his name. I don't know. You have to. You have to get that license probably. But I mean, right. I feel like I feel like that would be a big hit. I, I, yeah. I just I think people be very involved every yeah, week. I, somebody else gives a different sermon, you know. Like, I love it. I love it. Bars in Kansas City, you owe us a you owe us a fee on this. We we want a <laughs> right. commission for this idea if you That's start right. implementing this on a, as a theme night. Uh, all right, we got another review here. This one's nice. comes comes from uh, Elijah Greason, my go to cheese podcast. I absolutely love listening to this podcast every week especially living in Texas, it's nice to hear some sensible Chiefs fans. I got a few questions for you guys. First, uh, I'm sure you've seen the debates on Twitter over who would win in a race, the all-too-confident Scotty Miller or Tyreek the Cheetah. I'm curious as to what your honest opinion on who would win in a 40. Uh, we'll stop there. Tyreek Hill. Oh, God, yeah. 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 Like a million times. Now, Scotty Miller ran a very fast time at the, at the combine, but Tyreek's was faster. Yeah, there's there's no reason to think Tyreek wouldn't win that race. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, I, all due respect to Scotty Miller, like he's very fast. Tyreek Hill is the fastest player I've ever seen on NFL field. I, I will I will take Tyreek Hill ten times out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so second question: As this coaching cycle comes to a close, and it looks again like EB won't be getting a head coaching job, at what point do you think the Chiefs should just hold on to EB until Andy retires? and then promote EB to coach of the Chiefs. I know they're still probably five to seven years away, but with the amount of disrespect that's been thrown to be enemy, I would almost think it would be better to stay in-house. Again, I love your opinions, 
and maybe even think that it's best for EB down the road. Appreciate all your hard work to bring us the best cheese podcast on the face of the earth. High praise. And uh, let's look back uh, and let's run it back. And as always, go Chiefs. That is a hardcore listener. Thank you. Almost forgot my cereal rankings. Number three, Lucky Charms. Number two, S'mores. And number one, Fruity Pebbles. A lot of Fruity Pebbles love out there. Yeah, that's good cereal. Uh, good cereal. Look, on, on the EB thing, and we mentioned this, we had a, a similar question for a minute there. I thought I was reading the same uh, review. <clears throat> I, he wants a job. And yep. he wants a job really badly. And that's why he's going and interviewing. And so, look, I mean, selfishly, yeah, as Chiefs fans, we would love to keep EB, I think, on the team and in-house. But he's demonstrated time and time again he's got the resume to be a head football coach and he just needs somebody to give him the opportunity and when when those opportunities come around look this is a job that there are 32 of them in the world like when when somebody offers you a head coaching job in the nfl you've got to seriously think about taking it and i think i think eb will because i don't think he wants to be one of these coaches who you know he, he rides with andy for the rest of his career and and then he's sort of a forgotten guy. You know, a lot of things can happen. Uh, he's got to strike while the iron is hot, in my opinion. Yeah. You know what? First of all, thanks for your review. Great review. Appreciate it. Um, the hard part about waiting for Andy is Andy is 62 years old. And he turned 63 here in about a month. He just signed an extension. I believe Eric Bieniemy is 50 years old. Um like Andy might coach, I don't know if he'll coach 10 more years. He might coach another, like you said, five to seven years. I mean, if you're at the enemy, that's a lifetime as a coach. You know, that might be half of what he could be as a head coach. You know, if you want to coach 15 years or something like, I think if you're the enemy, as great of an opportunity as Kansas city has been for him, you got to try, right? And he has been trying, and I, I think he'll continue to try. I understand the sentiment. If Andy was only going to be there for one or two more years, then yeah, if I were yeah, I, mean, I actually would say, you know what, my best option is to wait it out for a year or two and then and then go uh, you know, go coach Patrick Mahomes for next decade. But if Andy's going to be there till Mahomes is, you know, 33, 33 I I think if you're the enemy, that's that's a hard sell. It's hard to wait that long. Yeah, totally. Uh, tough, tough situation to be enemies in, but he'll probably be be long gone. But you never know. You never know what's going to in the, in the NFL. Things change. The enemy gets hired next year. Maybe he goes somewhere else. Obviously, we want it to work out for him. But if it doesn't, right. things time out sometimes. People come back to staff. So we'll see. Um, there was another review uh, from Susie Met. This one just from the other day. Uh, through Apple Podcasts, really impressed. Listen to your podcast for the first time and came away extremely impressed. You guys really know your stuff. I'll be listening every week from now on. Thank you, Susie. That's awesome of you. Appreciate Thank it. you for the, the five-star review there. All right, we're going to take our first break. On the other side, we're going to preview the friggin' Super Bowl for you guys. We'll be right Let's back. All right, the moment has come. We're, we're a couple days away. The weekend is is, is almost here. Let's preview, I can't believe I'm about to say this, the second consecutive Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. Mother of God. Thank you, Patrick Mahomes. Um, the Chiefs versus the Bucks. These teams played in the regular season. The Chiefs won. They won by three points, but we all who watched the game know it wasn't quite that close. Chiefs are the favorites. They are a three-point favorite, minus three on the DraftKings Sportsbook, and the over-under for this game is 55. 
so we'll hit the injuries real quick. There's not a lot to report. This is from the from the injury report um, yesterday. CEH, Fenton, Mahomes, Remmers, Sneed, Wiley, all practiced, full practice. Bell and Watkins were limited. Um, do you think they're just being cautious with these guys, Verderam? It sounds like it was about the same deal today. Everyone practiced again. Yeah. You know, I've I've got to think. If you're practicing this week, you're playing. It's the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl, man. I, I I get it. You never know. Watkins practiced last week and he wasn't able to play. And I get all that. You're not, there's no tomorrow. This is it. You're not hoping you can get healthy for the next game. I mean, this is if you can go, you go. And I think for both teams. We're going to see with Watkins and with both of the Bucks starting safeties and Levante David and Antonio Brown. Can they really play? I think these guys are going to suit up, but can they truly go? You know, you're going to find out the first couple series. Um, but I, I think other than Fisher, obviously, and Willie Gay, I think they're all playing. I do. Unless they have some kind of a weird setback on Friday, I think they will all play, and we'll see how, they, how much they can give. Yeah, that's right. Fisher's season is over. Willie Gay uh, did not practice. For the Bucks. Um, as you mentioned, Antonio Brown, Levante David, Jordan Whitehead, Antoine Winfield, uh, everybody limited, but it seems like they're all going to play. Everybody, the, the reports coming out of Super Bowl week, interviews, all kinds of various things. The arrow is pointing up for most of these people. They did have one notable, Jason Pierre-Paul did not practice. He's got a sore knee. I think again to to, to Verderam's point, these guys are gonna like if they. It's just like Cole Beasley playing on a broken leg in the AFC Championship game, right? He played. He was out there. Was he effective as he could have been? Probably not. Did it help the Chiefs? Maybe a little bit. They played great defense in that game as well, but it doesn't hurt. So, does it hurt the Chiefs that that JPP might be playing on a really sore knee? No. Like you know, if he's out there, that that could be a huge benefit for the Chiefs as that game goes on. Uh, if he's if he's a little bit hobbled, but there's just no way to tell. But I would say that uh, uh, for the for the guys that are th- their guys seem to be maybe a little bit more banged up than than ours. Like Bell and Watkins. Like Watkins is important. Bell, I'm not terribly concerned about because Edwards Alaire is going to be back and Williams is playing well. But um, some of these guys on on their list, Levante. I mean, these guys these are guys you want for the whole game. They need these guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I- the big one to watch for the Chiefs is, is Watkins. Um, they need him to play. Could they win without him? And yes, obviously. Of course they could. But he he changes his dynamic if you're a defender because if you're doubling Hill and you're doubling Kelsey and you're doing – like Watkins is going to kill whoever your third corner is. He's, just, he's going to beat him if it's man coverage. And he's smart and knows how to find the holes in zone coverage. So – Having Sammy Watkins would be very critical. Le'Veon Bell, all due respect to him, listen, great if he's healthy, but the Chiefs are fine at that position. They're okay there. Um, they even have depth. I mean, you know, if something were to happen to one of them, they have the other back. They, they'd be okay. Um, Watkins, again, they do have other guys, but Watkins to me is the most important of the of the players who potentially, you know, could not could not play. But I, I, again, I expect him to play. I really do. I'd be I'd be very surprised if he does not, unless he has some kind of setback here. Do you think Le'Veon Bell's toast? I think that he's a complimentary back at this point. I think he can still play, 
but I think he's a guy who is in a specialized role. I don't think he's I, I don't I don't think he's somebody at this juncture on any team who you want to be giving the ball twenty plus times to a game. Did something happen? I mean, I know he missed the season and he came back and then he was with the Jets. You know, there was some anticipation when he came to Kansas City that like, hey, you know, like he's still really young. Like he's right. he's in his prime years here. And then he comes to Kansas City and I know I thought he was going to get used a lot more than than he has. And, you know, Andy Reid's a uh, he's a player's coach. He's not going to come out and say, ah, oh, you know, when they ask him about Le'Veon, he's, he, he's going to say things like he's learning the, the playbook and, you know, those types of, of things. Right. Uh, he's not going to come out and say, yeah, we got him in here and like he, he's OK, you know, but like he's he's a replacement level running back at this point. Right. Right. No, I mean, of course not. I, I think at this point, though, he's clearly third in the depth chart. Do I think the Chiefs need him to win the game? No. Would it be nice to have him? Sure. But I think it's about what it is. All right. So the last time these teams played, uh, th- the game was 27 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. It ended up being 27 to 24. Um, now, a lot of things happened, right? The Bucks were desperate. They were going for it on fourth down. They were, you know, they were, they were taking chances they wouldn't because they had to get back in the game. Late in the game, though, the Chiefs had a few three and outs that, that, that really opened things up for Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay, some of the players this week, Verderam, said, you know, some of the changes that we made defensively in the second half, we feel like is, is something that we carried with us throughout the rest of the year and it really helped our defense. Do you buy that, that it was a second half adjustment that just changed everything for Tampa Bay and now they're good at playing defense or did the Chiefs just have a few bad series and you know they didn't move the ball? Because at the end of the game, when they needed to run out the clock, they were able to do it. I don't I don't care what the box here is doing. No. Like, I went back and we watched that game and the Chiefs on one drive took three separate holding penalties to stop themselves. And by the way, where he, it wasn't a drop by Demarcus Robinson, but a very catchable pass away on third and twenty-seven from converting. Like no, I, I don't, I could care less. I don't, I don't worry about it. So no offense to Tampa, but no, that they haven't done anything. And I, and I watched that game. I watched the film of it. No, there's nothing that I watched and said, oh, that's a. That's a big problem. By the way, as we're doing this, the Chiefs are doing their media availability on Thursday. And Tyreek Hill just said, quote, I haven't seen Pat throw dots like this before in practice. I mean, he's throwing dots. It's crazy. And then James Palmer adds, Tyreek Hill on how good Mahomes has looked these last two weeks. He's beyond excited. And Travis Kelsey said, quote, we are as ready as we have ever been for this game. So they feel pretty good. Um, what does that mean? Uh, but they feel good. They clearly feel pretty confident. Um, yeah, we talked about how important that their experience in playing in the Super Bowl last year is coming into this game in terms of confidence. I, I just look at this game and like I get it. Man. Like everybody's got to sit here and go on and on and on and on about how this should be a game and how things go. And the Buccaneers are really good. Like the Bucks are a really talented team. The Chiefs have lost one game with Mahomes starting in a year and a half. They're just better. They're just a better team. They're better in the secondary. They have better weapons. They have a much better quarterback. They have a better coach. They just, they're better. Like I've seen this argument from multiple media personalities. We know the Chiefs have, you know, four or five of the top, you know, six or seven players. But then a lot of it's the Bucs. It's like, yeah, that's great. 
but Kansas City's got Mahomes and all these Hall of Famers around him. Like, that's great that the Buccaneers have more guys that are better 20 through 40. That's great. How many times are they getting on the field? I mean, it's just – look, I I talked um, – I texted you this today. Last night, on uh, Wednesday night, I had an in-depth, long conversation with Wade Phillips over the phone. We talked for probably about a half hour. And I'm going to end up writing a story about it. It's going to go up Friday on Fansided. But I asked him specifically, look, you were a defensive coordinator, defensive coach. You know, He's been in the league since 1976. One of the more accomplished D coordinators ever. And I asked him, how would you stop the Chiefs in this game? And he said, first, I would ask for help. And then he laughed. And he said, well, you know, he goes, he basically went into the fact that the Buccaneers have to get pressure with four. They have to do it constantly. They have to do it in a controlled way where Mahomes doesn't get out of the pocket. And, you know, Phillips really, you know, he talked a lot about how Mahomes is so hard because he can throw on the run. He can throw off platform. He, he, you know, he can kill you in the pocket. And he said the other thing with him that, you know, Wade Phillips was a coordinator against Mahomes once. And that was at 54-51 Monday night game. And he's like, we created six turnovers in that game and they still scored 51 points. He was like, right. Hill is so fast. He said, it's just, it's so hard to double him, even if you try to double him. And he goes, Kelsey's going to get his no matter what you do. And I asked him point blank at the end of the conversation. I said, if the Buccaneers don't consistently, constantly get pressure with four, do you think they can win? And very quickly, he just said, no, no. He's, I, I, he said, he, he picked the Chiefs 34 to 24. Um, yeah, he just said, he goes, he basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing his words a little bit. I have the exact quotes, of course, coming in the story, but he basically said, I, I don't think they can stop them unless they just get unrelenting pressure. He said, the Chiefs are just so unique. They have so much speed. They're so well coached. They, you know, Mahomes is so hard to deal with. He's like, if you're the Bucks, he's like, you can't sit in these certain you know zones and, and he goes, you can't sit in coverages you'd like to sit in. And he said it just makes it so hard because you essentially are forced into a, a corner with Kansas City, and then they know that, and so they they just they play into it, and they they further force you into that corner. It was fascinating to listen to him, but the the bottom line was uh, he you know the coach Roy felt like you're you're not going to stop them unless Mahomes is just constantly on his ass in this game, and it's a, it's a big ask, even as good as they are up front. Yeah, and in that game that 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 you mentioned against the Rams, Donald was out of his mind in that game. Yes, he, one of the best. He had one of the best single performances I've ever seen in that game. He was absolutely a, a game wrecker. Um, boy, that was a that was a hell of a game. I'm I'm bummed that we lost it, but this, there were the two games that year, that and then the AFC Championship game against the Patriots that were just classics, and it really really gnaws at me that the Chiefs were on, <laughs> were on the wrong end of those, but I wouldn't trade victories. And Well, I guess I would trade victory for, for the AFC Championship game because uh, I think the Chiefs would have two Super Bowls, but, you know, I, it's really incredible um, game. So you know, we flash back to that, that first time that the Chiefs played the Bucks, and I think a lot of people probably forget this one. You know, we mentioned that the Chiefs were up big, and going into the... The, the second half, um, the Chiefs had the ball. <laughs> Sorry, that they had that ball at the end of the first half, and it was first and goal in the Tampa eight. Kansas City was winning seventeen to seven at that point. Uh, no, I'm sorry, right. they were winning seventeen to nothing. And yes, yes, yeah, you're right. They were winning seventeen to nothing, and Shaq Barrett 
got to Mahomes. Mahomes fumbled. The Bucks picked it up at the, jeez, uh, uh, like I think the 14, and yeah, it they drove the it down. Yeah. yeah, they drove it down and scored. And that got them back in the game. And, and then after that, Kansas City went 13 plays, 64 yards, but they settled for a field goal. And it was 20-7 to into the second half. Uh, and then the Chiefs only scored once, one, one touchdown. They came out after the after the the half. The Bucks went on an eight play, sixty seven yard drive in three minutes fifty six seconds, scored a field goal. Then the Chiefs came out seven plays, seventy five yards in four minutes and four seconds, and they were up twenty seven ten. Um, and I I I, I put this uh, in my notes because I thought it was really interesting. The Bucks' first eight possessions in this game of of that game, not counting their kneel down at the end of the first half, right? Punt, punt, punt. Punt, touchdown, field goal, interception, interception. The the Chiefs' defense did that. They did not let the Bucs do anything early in that game. Right. How much do you attribute the close score at the end to, I know some people said this week, the Chiefs didn't change what they were doing on defense and the, the Bucs just made some plays, but how much do you attribute the Bucs making it close at the end in the fourth quarter to the fact that the Chiefs were up so much? Because while they may not have changed a lot on defense, how much did they change on their aggressiveness on offense? No, a lot. A lot. Because the Chiefs did that. And the reason I say that is because the Chiefs did it every game. felt like they, at the end of the season. Everybody's made a lot about the Bucks are better now because, you know, they, they've won every game since. And well, I got news for you. So have the Chiefs other than Week 17. So the idea that, like, the Bucks are so much better. Well, Kansas City's defense right now is playing the best ball to play all year. Bar none, not even close. And I'd argue Thornhill, who looked the best he looked all year in the A's title game, that's a huge deal against the Bucs. To have a guy who can range like that, you don't maybe have to play too high. You've got Sneed, who has become a force inside. Look, I can tell you right now, and I, and for the record, Wade Phillips agreed. I asked him this, would you blitz Brady a lot because I, I think personally I think the Chiefs should. He said, I think they can. I think they probably will. And I think the Chiefs will do that in this game because they believe Thornhill can play single high. They believe Sneed can blitz off the edge as well as anybody. I think it's a it's a big problem for the Bucs. Brady under the blitz this year has been brutal. And I think Kansas City is just going to bring it and bring it and bring it. But look, to that, to that point, yeah, that score was a lot closer than the game really was. And you know, you go back and watch, and <laughs> the first scoring drive they had, there was a play where Okafor was matched up one-on-one with Gronkowski, ended up being a 30-plus-yard pass. The next play, Damian Wilson slow to get out to the flat on Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones catches the ball, runs 39 yards for a touchdown. I am going to significantly believe in this game, Alex Okafor is not going to be on Rob Gronkowski. And Damian Wilson's probably not going to see the field very much. He didn't in Buffalo or against Buffalo. I I think in this game, you're going to see the Chiefs play a lot of the same personnel groups they did against Buffalo. And they're basically going to say, we will match up our safeties with your tight ends and backs. We will play single high. We will blitz the daylights out of you. Go ahead and beat us. And I, I think if you're the Chiefs, that's the right move. I really do. Like, I think Kansas City just flat out better. They match up well with them. I think the story of this game come Monday morning or Sunday night is going to be the Chiefs could match up and play man against Tampa, and Tampa could not play man against Kansas City. I think that's the difference. I think it's the story, um, or at least one of them. 
But yeah, if the Chiefs get up by a big margin in this game, I would not expect them to let up. I would expect them to keep the pedal to the metal. And I, I think it's I think it's I think it's a good chance at least that the Chiefs are going to put themselves in a position where they can really throttle down and, and keep or throttle up rather and really keep moving on them. Yeah, in that last game, Gronkowski actually led the the Bucks in receiving at six receptions for 106 yards on seven targets. He had a 48 yard re- reception, and that was the the kind of the story of that late in that game. And and really, what the Bucks do and what Arians likes to do on offense is get these big chunk plays down the field. Gronkowski had a 48 yarder. Godwin had yeah. eight catches for 97 yarders, including a 44 yarder. Evans three for 50, two touchdowns, including a 30 yarder. Um, they did a good job on Evans, only three receptions on nine targets in that game. And then Ronald Jones caught a ball for 37 yards at a touchdown. And they and they got the ball to break. So part of their game plan, they started working the ball to the tight ends, four receptions for 34 yards. Do you see something similar in this game? Do you see the Chiefs saying, all right, you want to throw it to the tight ends, fine, but we're, we're going to try to prevent you from getting it out to these big wide receivers? Yeah, look, I think if you're the Chiefs, you, you you have to try to limit the big play. And they have been the best defense in the NFL by almost any metric on deep balls. Um, CBS Sports put out a really interesting graphic on that, where they're the best against completion rate. They're the best against quarterback ranking or rating. They're the best touchdown to interception ratio. They're just they're really, really good on balls that travel 20-plus yards in the air. Um, they're also the best defense in the NFL. Warren Sharp, who did some work for NBC Sports, tweeted this out in a video. They're the best defense in the NFL, third and seven to third and nine. Um, they're really good in those spots. And, you know, I think if you're Kansas City, you've got to try to take away that deep ball. And you are putting, in my opinion, some pressure on Thornhill because I'd play him a little bit of single high. Um, but see, to me, if you blitz Brady, he's probably going to know that it's coming because he's Brady and that's, that's okay. I mean, it's better if he doesn't know, but it's okay. Okay, fine. And I asked Wade Phillips about this as well. He said, look, on on those kinds of plays, Brady's going to go for the quick inside throw or the, or the quick, like almost like the, uh, uh, somewhat of a, not a fade, but of a nine route where, you know, it's just a go ball and, and, and Brady's going to throw it up there real quick give a guy a chance to run under it. And if you're the Chiefs, it's all about leverage in that spot. You know, if, if, if you feel like you're going to get a lot of those goal balls on the outside, if you're a corner, you know, you want to do one of two things. You want to either try to squeeze that receiver to the to the boundary, which is really what you'd like to do. But if you can't do that, and Evans or Godwin, whoever it is, gets an inside release, you've got to try to push him a little bit toward the middle of the field and hope that Thornhill can come over and make a play. But I – if those corners are going to have to hold up, they're going to be asked to a lot of man on man. I think they can do it. I think they will do it. Um, but yeah, look, there's, there's definitely something too. If the tight ends beat you a little bit underneath, you don't care. You care about getting beat over the top. That's what you care about. And, you know, and obviously everything's situational. Look, it's third and six. You don't want to give up a seven yard pass, but yeah, you're, you're more worried about the deep ball, the big ball than you are, most plays about Cameron Brait having a seven-yard reception. It's just not the end of the world. How like how much of an impact do you think the running game is going to have in this game? The Chiefs last time, they ran it 20 times for 87 yards, four of carries and 28 yards. That was Mahomes. Um, Tampa Bay ran it only 13 times for 75 yards. They were, they were doing a nice job. Ronald Jones had a 34-yard run. Fournette got it three times for 10 yards. 
Are you worried about the, the Bucks coming out and trying to run on the Chiefs, or are they going to shy away from that because of Arians' DNA and they got to keep up with Casey? I, I've thought about this. I, you know what? I think both teams are just going to be gunning it. I don't think there's going to be a ton of running the ball. And, I, and I'll be frank. I think Tampa should. And I know that goes against every analytical guy out there. I get it. I think Kansas City comes out and dime in this game. And if I'm the Bucks, I'm running the ball. I'm trying to get them out of that dime look. I'm trying to get more linebackers on the field so I can I can get Gronkowski and Brayton matched up against them. I would try to run early, which they do run a lot on first down. You probably will see the Bucks run a lot on first down and then throw it on second and third. That's typically what they do. Um, I would run it a ton early in the game if I were Tampa, if I'm getting some chunks out of it. But that's not the way they like to play. They like to run on first and then chuck it. And I think that's what they're going to do. Like one thing people need to realize and, and remember, most teams, with a rare exception, the Pats forever with a rare exception, you are who you are. You just, you are, you got all this way playing how you play. It's a huge thing to ask of your players and of your coaches to all of a sudden just completely shift who you are. And that's, I think another thing, like on the defensive side, not to get off topic, but I think that's another interesting thing with that. Like Tampa loves to play single high safety. Kansas City just destroyed them in it in the first meeting. Got them out of it by the second quarter. Um, they love the blitz. Mahomes destroyed the blitz. You're going to be asking the Buccaneers players, if you're Bulls, to play a way they do not normally play. And while it may yield some positive results because you're playing in a way maybe it's more effective against a team like the Chiefs, it also might yield some, some mistakes, some blown coverages, some missed assignments, because you're not used to playing that way. So it's a very fascinating game of, of cat and mouse, really is. Off the wall question for you. In the last game, Mahomes was 37 of 49 for 462 yards and three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill was 13 receptions, 269, and three touchdowns. If they put up those two exact stat lines again in the Super Bowl, who gets the MVP? Chase. Uh, I think you'd have to give it to Hill, right? Like, that's just such an. Like, that'd be the greatest game ever by a receiver in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think you would have to get it. But yeah, I mean, 462 yards passing, you know, that's. Right. It's a good problem to have. Let's hope they have it. <laughs> right, right. Um, all right. So a couple of notes. Uh, like, we know that Eric Fisher is not going to be playing in this game. Maybe never plays for the Chiefs again. We'll see. Um, a lot of talk this week on ESPN and other outlets about the Chiefs offensive line and how are they going to deal with the Bucks pass rushers. What's the what's the Kansas City Chiefs offense of line for, for our listeners out there going to look from left to right? What's it going to look like from left to right? And how worried are you about the shuffling? So from left to right, it's going to be Remmers at left tackle. He'll move over there to replace Fisher. And then it'll be Nick Allegretti at left guard. Obviously, Austin Ryder at center. Stefan Osnussi is going to come in at right guard. Um, where he, where he, now he played left guard in the Super Bowl last year, but he'll be a right guard now. Um, and then Andrew Wiley will kick out the right tackle as he did against New Orleans. Um. I'm more worried about Remmers going to left tackle than I am about Wiley because you know you talk to people in the league who have been offensive linemen, Jeff Schwartz, who's 
and I did sack in the boxes for a long time, former Chiefs lineman and a, and, a, and a great friend. You know, he'll tell you, look, that's hard. You know, all your footwork is opposite now. It's different. It's a big ask. Um, and that's the blind side. So that worries me more. That is where if a strip sack's going to happen, it's probably going to happen from there, right? But the good news is if you're the Chiefs, you know, you have tight ends. and I think, I think Darryl Williams is going to play a lot in this game because he can block. He's a good blocker. I expect him to be in there a lot. And frankly, I think he's going to play more than Edwards and is going to play this game. I think he's going to be in there a lot. He can stay in. He can. He can. He can chip. He can. He can handle a guy. Um, I think they will help Remmers more than they'll help Wiley because if Wiley gets beat, at least Mahomes can see it. So you know that that helps. I will say though, I think there's one hidden advantage to all this stuff. As awful as it is, of course, if Fisher got hurt, they're going to be better inside because Wiley. Look, I, Wiley to me is a is a below average guard. He played really well at tackle against Cameron Jordan, against the Saints, and he was a tackle in college. That doesn't mean he's going to be great in this game. I don't know that he will be, but I have faith he can handle it. I went back and watched the, the all 22 of that New Orleans game. He's got good feet. He's got good feet. He can anchor. He's a strong guy. Like, I actually think Wiley might be okay. I really do. Wisniewski is a better guard than Andrew Wiley is. He's, a, he's stronger. He's better at the point of attack. And with Vita Vey and Sue in there, you want guys who are bulls inside. You're not going to need a ton of mobility out of your line in this game, I don't believe, because I don't think you're running a lot of like tosses and sweet. Like you need guys who can keep the front of that pocket sturdy. I think the Chiefs can do it. I think Wisniewski actually gives them a big advantage inside. Where if Wiley was inside, I think it would have been a much tougher game for them on the interior. And you can't really chip and help out inside. It's much much harder to do. Um, if you, if the Chiefs are going to have issues, you want it on the edge and you want it where Mahomes can see it because you can always move around. You can always buy a little time and schematically you can chip and do different things. If you're getting toasted inside, you're just getting toasted inside. There's nothing you're doing about it. So look, am I worried? Yeah. I wish Eric Fisher was in the game, but I got to be honest. I'm not, I feel no different about this game now than if Fisher was in the game. Like I, I just think they're going to be fine. Like they, they've had two weeks to prepare for this. They're going to get the ball quick. They'll move Mahomes out of the pocket. They'll do different things. They'll chip. They'll, they'll double. I think they'll be. And I'll tell you what I think more than anything they can do. I think they're going to spread them out. I think they're going to spread Tampa out in this game four or five wide. And so you're you're just you're going to have to get home in a second and a half. And if you don't do it, you're screwed. Because, you know, people think a second and a half, that's nothing. Well, if Tyreek Hill runs a 40 in four seconds, he can get 10 yards in about a second. You get a second and a half, somebody's going to be open 10 yards down the field, right? Like more often than not. So I think if you're the Chiefs, that's, that's how you play. But I'm not I'm not crazy worried about it. Concerned? Sure. Worried about it? Not, not crazy. No. All right. Let's get to our last break. And on the other side, we'll hit on a couple more points in this game. And, of course... We'll let you know who we think is going to win. You probably have a pretty good idea if you listen to this podcast regularly. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Verderam, who are your... Somebody tweeted this. Um, I think it was our, our friend, uh, Stacy Smith, who used to write for Arrowhead Addict for a long time. You should follow him on Twitter. Um, and he 
he tweeted this out, I think a week or two ago about maybe about the AFC championship. He said, uh, who are your dark, dark horse heroes on offense and defense for this game? And I thought it'd be fun to answer that for us. Who's going to, who's going to be the, 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 the player that comes out of nowhere that you didn't expect that makes a huge play. That's a good question. Offensive and defensive. Well, offensive, obviously, if we're talking dark horses, you can't go with the, the big three, for the lack of a better term. I'll say McCole Hardman. Um, he has blinding speed, and if at any point in time he gets open, the guy is electric with the ball in his hands. So I'll say him. Um, defensively, dark. <laughs> does Dan Sorensen count as a dark horse? I don't know. Like, I don't think so. Because I, I don't think he does either at this point. He's like running a lot in the playoffs. Uh, you know what? I'll go. I'll go way off the board, and I will say to Sean Wharton. Just a uh, that was big my sack. response to Stacy's tweet a couple weeks ago. Just, a, just he's quick inside. He's very fast. Like, and he's got a straight path to Brady. Guy can just see you like one time. He just he splits a gap or something and, and hits Brady and causes a fumble. I'll go with Wharton. I love it. That's a great one. All right, I'm going to go on offense. I'm going to go with Demarcus Robinson. He can be up and down. He gets a lot of hate from Chiefs fans. But I'll tell you what, in the last game, he was targeted six times. He caught five balls for 36 yards. Maybe a ho-hum stat right. line. But when you're on a team with, with Tyree Kill and Kelsey and Watkins is out there, but I think I think it's going to be Demarcus Robinson who makes some kind of key contribution, whether it's a a big first down conversion because they cover everybody else and 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 they get it to, and Robinson catches the ball, or he runs around in the end zone when Pat's in trouble and gets a big touchdown catch. He he he's got great effort. He's always working for Pat out there, and I could really see him having just a special moment in this game. So he's he's my dark horse on offense. On defense, I was going to say Thornhill, <clears throat> which he doesn't feel as surprising after the way he played in the AFC Championship game. But I think that this could be – I'm going to give him my honorable mention. Because I, I do want to say I think this is going to be a game where Brady's going to be chucking that ball up in the air. And if Thornhill's got his head screwed on straight, he's going to have a chance to pick off a ball or two. And I could see that definitely going down. But I'm going to go – with Rashad Fenton, uh, I think he's been excellent all year, and they got to throw the they got to throw at somebody in this game, and I could see Fenton coming up with a big play or two that that takes this one out of reach for the Bucks. So I'm going Fenton, and I'm going Robinson. Okay, yeah, I actually I thought of both guys, so uh, we're not too far off here. I, I could have I could have gone with those guys because Robinson's weird. Robinson could have four drops. And, and could be the absolute go to the game. Or Robinson could go for 140 yards, and it would, you wouldn't even be all that surprised. You'd be like, oh, look at that, to Marcus Robinson today. Yeah, could be fantastic. Uh, all right, what are your keys to the game? Like wh- one or two things that the Chiefs need to do to make sure that they, they come away two-time champs. I think it's simple. Don't turn the ball over. Tampa's feast on turnovers the last – couple of games they've gotten four from the saints and two from the packers and they've gotten five touchdowns on those drives and they've, and they've all been short fields do not turn the ball over 
from Mahomes, throw the ball on schedule. Get to your back foot, get the ball out. Don't allow it to be a strip sack and a huge play out of that. That, to me, is, is always the killer. You cannot do that. And defensively, blitz the shit out of Brady. I just go after him. Go after him over and over. Bring six, br- bring stunts, bring twists, bring loops, what- overloads, whatever. Go after him. Hit him. Make him uncomfortable. In the past, I'd say, listen, blitzing Brady was a terrible idea. Brady's not going anywhere, and he's been awful this year against the Blitz. Awful. And he was awful against Kansas City when they blitzed him earlier this year. Go after him. You have the corners to play on the back end. They do those three things, I think they win the game. Just, I think they'll be just fine. I think those are great keys. I'm going to go with, on offense, this this might not sound like it's a you know brilliant idea here that's pretty elementary, but get the ball to Tyreek Hill. And they obviously did that in the first game. But I think the thing that is really key about this particular game is uh, there's just no way the Bucks aren't talking about Tyreek Hill and what he did to them last time. And they're looking at what they did in the second half to Tyreek to keep him from getting a bunch of more yards. And the, he's too... This can't be one of those games where the Chiefs are like, okay, we'll just let them take away Tyreek and we'll throw them a million balls to Travis Kelsey and we'll try to get Demarcus Robinson involved or McCole Hardman. They need to find a way, and I think they've done a good job of this, and they did a good job of it against the Bills, of getting the ball in his hands. Run him on some of those sweeps. Set up some screens for him. Run, run him on some slants. Just get the ball in the hands of Tyreek Hill, because if you do that, if he gets 13 balls or whatever that he got in the last game, he's going to make something happen. It's going to be bad news for Tampa. No, listen, you, you have to scheme up ways you get him and Travis Kelsey the football, no matter what the defensive calls are. And they've done that. In the AFC title game last year, Tennessee tried to double him the whole game. He had two touchdowns. So, you know, you don't you never want to force one in there because that's when you get in trouble. But you've got to be able to scheme guys open. There's no – and, you know, he's the kind of guy, hell, run him on a jet sweep and pitch to him. I mean, that that's like a guaranteed eight yards every time anyway. So they'll find ways, put him in motion, do different things. But I agree. Get him the ball. Get Kelsey the ball. Get him involved early and, and get him feeling good. Yeah, a lot of the you know a lot of the analysts out there. Oh, you know you got to take away Travis. You got to take away Tyreek Hill. You got to play two safeties. And sure, but you you can't just you can't just concede your most explosive well, player. That always cracks me up. Like, what are these people who say this stuff? Like, what do you think? Like, teams are in the regular season going, guys, listen, if we shut down Byron Pringle, it's over. Right, like, guys. <laughs> every team tried. There's in the uh, in the sound effects clips. They put out from the AFC title game. The Bills, I think it was Poyer, but it might have been Hyde. It was one of the safeties was talking about how we have to stop 87 and 10. How'd that go? Like, it's just, right. it, yeah, I mean, of course. Like, everyone in the league that plays them knows that that's who they want to stop. You have to do it. Like, it's 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 not easy. It has been, has, has been proven for years on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kelsey's going to the Hall of Fame. Holmes is going to the Hall of Fame. Tyree Kill looking like he might be going to the Hall of Fame too. Well on his way. Uh, my other key to the game in this one is don't get pass interference penalties. The Bucks were they benefited more from penalty yards than any team in the NFL this year in the passing game. And the Chiefs have a tendency to, to, to get a little grabby, to panic a little bit. They get a lot of penalties. So penalties in general, the, the Chiefs have to stay away from. They can't kill drives by jumping off sides. But 
in particular, I'm worried about the pass interference penalties. I mean, you saw in the in the NFC Championship game against the Packers, it was a it was a pass interference penalty that basically ended the game. Now, it was I think if you saw that play, he was beat. So they oh, were going to get that first down. Yeah. yeah, they were going to get that first down anyway. But um, they get a lot of these flags because they chuck the ball downfield. These receivers are big, physical. And they're gonna they're gonna be pushing off, and you know the Chiefs just they got to make them catch the ball. The Bucks receivers can drop passes, and they got to make them you got to make them catch it. You can't bail them out by just tackling the guy because you're not sure where the ball is. Get your head around. Now we know this is a strength for the Chiefs, but the deep ball is a strength for the Bucks as well. The Chiefs got to avoid it. Yep, I agree. The Buccaneers, you're right. No team's drawn more defensive pass interferences um, or pass interference penalties. The Chiefs have, have not benefited much from it, mostly because no one's ever near them. Uh, they're, they're so open. But um, I will tell you, though, if I was Spagnuolo, I would tell the defensive backs, especially if they're a man coverage and you know they're bringing pressure, maul the hell out of them at the line of scrimmage. I don't care. Maul them. Mug them. I, do whatever you got to do within the first five yards. I will live with the occasional legal contact penalty. Don't take a penalty 40 yards down the field. That I don't want to live with. And, and obviously, look, again, it's situationally, too. You know, if it's third and eight, you don't want to take that penalty. But if it's first and ten, mug them. I don't care. Like, it, it, you'll live with it. Okay, it's five yards. You move on. You know, okay, it's first and ten again. It's five yards. Not a big deal. I think for the Chiefs, especially Breland against Evans, you get in his face, get up on the line of scrimmage, and maul him. Just go right after him. You'll live with it. Hey, Breland took a couple penalties against the Bills. Who cares? Diggs was invisible in that game. And a big part of it was how physical they were with them at the line of scrimmage. I, I, you have to play that way. But I agree, when the ball's in the air, got to play the ball. You can't be worried about the guy. I'll also be looking for Chris Jones' batted down passes in this game. He's got one. a history of that. It helped him win the Super Bowl last year. He's batted down some balls, key balls that Brady was trying to throw. could be interesting to see if that, um, if that comes to, to pass in this game. Okay. One more thing before we get to score predictions, and we, we chatted about this, I think, a couple podcasts ago, but this is a big game not just for the Chiefs and and the and the Bucks and and the coaches and all that stuff, but from a legacy perspective for the two quarterbacks, it's a really interesting game. You don't get matchups like this very often in, in professional sports, and it's it's a chance to basically see LeBron, a young LeBron James, take on Michael Jordan, an aging Michael Jordan in the in the championship, right? I mean, that's what we're seeing here, and who's it's more important legacy wise for Mahomes to win this game, right? Than Brady. I mean, Brady loses this game, oh, Mahomes, yeah. nobody's going to be like, oh well, you know, Brady wasn't really as good as we thought. Um, but I, I, how important is it for Mahomes to to not have this? Yeah, but he lost to old man Brady in in the Super Bowl, hanging over his head because of because of what Mahomes has a chance to do, going back to back, having a chance for a three peat, all of those things that just most most NFL quarterbacks don't even ever get the chance to do. It's very important if you want to talk about being the greatest of all time. Now, if you just want to talk about, you know, just being one of the greatest of all time, I don't think he kills him. I mean, he's back to back Super Bowls and you know, he's won one. But if you want to talk about being the greatest ever at some point down the line, he's got to win this game. He's got to win. I know that's, you know some people feel that that's true. Some people don't. That's fine. I feel like he has to win the game. Um, is that fair? No, I don't know. But it's, I think, reality. Um, 
Brady beat him in the AFC title game. It was a great game. But in this game, like the Chiefs, the Chiefs are clearly the better team. And they have experience. That, that 2018 game, the Chiefs were favored. But, the, you know, the experience factor was all on New England side. I get it. You know, they have Belichick. It's a little bit different. This game, the, the Chiefs should win this game. And if they lose, there's always going to be that portion of people that say, come on now. How could you say Brady's not better? He was 18 years older than him. He was 43, and he beat him in the Super Bowl as an underdog. That part of history will always exist. So if you're Mahomes, it's a big one. It's a big one. We know Mahomes is a competitive guy. At this point, like there's a lot of players out there that, and, and this includes some quarterbacks, right? Like they get to a Super Bowl and they win one, and they're like, "Man, I did it," you know. And, and then they, you know, take it the money. They're, they they feel like they've accomplished what they wanted, the big football goal that they had. But then there are players that are they're cut from a different cloth. Guys like Dion, guys like Jordan, that. Well, they get their they get their championship, but they're just they want to be remembered as the greatest of all time. And do you get that sense? Are you starting to get that sense from Patrick Mahomes that like he knows what he's done so far and what he has the chance to do? Do you think he is is made of that kind of stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Nate, I was I was there after the game talking to the players, not Mahomes, did not speak with Mahomes. He came up because he was the MVP, went to a, a podium or a, a normal press conference. I was now where the podiums where I was talking to Tyree Kill and Clark and Jones. Um, but they were all talking immediately about, hey, we want to be a dynasty. We want to be a dynasty. And I think with Mahomes, like, there's no question. Like He he understands what's at stake. Like, he, he's not just a really good player. He's, he is – he is an all-time level player. And it's obvious in the way that he acts. It, he gets it. He understands that. Um, he is he is chasing being the best ever. Not, you know, and that's it's a really, really high standard when you think about it, beyond the obvious, because you know, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, I don't know if there's ever a point in the, his career where you were like, well, he might be, now be the greatest player ever if he wins another title or two. And he's probably the most talented quarterback I've ever seen outside of Mahomes. Like, Mahomes, you're already to the point. If he wins this game, you're going to be, well, he's already one of the greatest ever. Now it's a matter of can he become the greatest ever. And that is impossible. Like Nobody ever thought about that, about Drew Brees or Ben Roethlisberger and those are first ballot Hall of Fame guys. Nobody ever said that about those guys. Mahomes is just operating on the LeBron plane, right? Like nobody was ever like, is LeBron going to be as good as Elgin Baylor? Like Elgin Baylor is an unbelievable player, but like it was obvious. Like, yeah, LeBron clearly at some point is going to usurp Elgin Baylor's status in the NBA. Like it was always about Michael, right? Like, can he be better than Michael Jordan? And this is the same thing in football. It is clear. Is he going to be the greatest player ever? He, we, look, he's going to he's going to have a bigger legacy than Terry Bradshaw. Okay, he's going to have a bigger bigger legacy than some of these other guys with one a Super Bowl. I think it's fair to say he's going to have a bigger legacy than Brett Favre. Will like yeah. he is just going to be a better player. Is he going to be the greatest ever? That's what he's judged off of, which is bonkers, but it's reality. Yeah, and it's very much like LeBron James who. Like he's not done, right? He's not finished. He's lost right. a lot of of championships, but he's won his fair share as well. But everybody still 
points to. He's he's better than Jordan in most statistical categories or will be by the time he's finished. And he has a, a totally different career trajectory, but people still, they're going to always point to, yeah, but look, Jordan never lost in the championship. He has all these rings. He's got more rings than you. There are some people that think that even if LeBron were to match Jordan in rings, that he that they wouldn't consider him the GOAT because he lost so many times in, in the finals. Right. Do you buy that kind of argument, or would you for Mahomes? I, uh, I don't. I mean, look, I just think I'm a big believer in just my eyes. Like, I'll tell you right now, Mahomes is more talented than Brady ever was. I mean, Brady is deservedly the greatest of all time with all the rings. I get that. But if you said to me right now, I need one of them at the peak, who do I want? Mahomes, period. I mean, he's the most talented, gifted player I've ever seen in the NFL, ever, at any position. He is a dominant force of nature. Um, but yeah, listen, all that stuff matters, even if some of it shouldn't, right? Like, it just does. Like, it's more impressive that LeBron has gotten all these finals, but he's lost them in some cases. So that counts against him. Should it? I don't think it necessarily should. You know, if Brady loses this game and he's six and four in the Super Bowl, he's got the 10. That's better to get in a six. But right. people will say, well, you know, he lost four of them and, you know, they, they got lucky in a few of the games. I don't buy into that. If Mahomes goes to 10 Super Bowls and goes seven and three, I mean, would you rather, as a chief fan, the only one with the seven? You'd rather went to 10, right? I, got, I don't know. I think that's a flawed argument. If so, I mean, look at Montana. Montana's four and zero in the Super Bowl, right? Right, but 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 because Brady won more Super Bowls than Montana, but also because he went to so many, even his losing Super Bowls are giving him points against Montana in the goat conversation, right? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it too, man, is just style and substance and like. Like Bradshaw's 4-0, but nobody ever thinks he's the best quarterback of all time. Montana did it with such a flair. You know, like they won the they, you know, they beat Cincinnati in that crazy Super Bowl, and he beat Elway in the Super Bowl, and he beat Marino in the Super Bowl. And like he played on those Niners teams, and they were so debonair and, and so cutting edge at the West Coast offense and Bill Walsh and Jerry Rice, and they just they exuded greatness. I think that's one thing that will help Mahomes. He just he exudes being great. He's just he's you know he's a likable guy on this high powered team with a lot of stars. They're always in prime time. He seems to play his best in these big moments. Like there's a certain quality. Like Brady, look now part of it is Brady just wanted to you know he's a good looking guy. He's you know he's he's on this team that's just this relentless machine for all these years up in Foxborough. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be the greatest full time. He does. But I'm just saying that that stuff matters. It, it shouldn't. But it's like Michael Jordan, part of the, I mean, Michael Jordan was one of the more charismatic players ever. He's a really handsome guy. He's always on the cover of all these different, you know, ad campaigns. And like all that stuff adds up. All that stuff matters. It, you know, and maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't, whatever. It does. It absolutely does. All right. Yesterday, I released a quick bonus episode for us with some sound from Willie Rofe. Willie Rofe said in an interview with our own Mark Carmen yesterday that the Chiefs are America's team. You buy that? They America's team? Screw the Cowboys? No, I don't buy that. Uh, the Cowboys are America's team. And a lot of people, 
would be rooting for the Chiefs to lose this game if it wasn't for the fact that it's Tom Brady and no one wants to see him win again. Uh, but <laughs> now, listen, it's just what it is. You know, a lot of people can't stand the Chiefs because they're so successful. That's going to happen. That's already happened in some corners. So, no, I, listen, love Willie Rove, but uh, I, I don't agree on that. The one thing that he said, though, that I thought was really interesting was they're America's team. They're the team that everybody wants to see right now. And I that, feel like that's I, that is probably true. They are the most box office of any team in the NFL. It made the, the Cowboys fans came crawling out from under their losing seasons to 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 yell at us about. <laughs> about it's good they got saying. out from under all that wreckage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Good. It's time. Uh, it's time for the final score predictions. So we'll take a deep breath here. I'll go first because uh, I wrote mine down. Um, I I am very confident about this game. I was very confident going into the Bills game because of the way I saw the Chiefs. With my, I'm, I'm a big believer on, like, I always have been with my picks of the Chiefs going back to when I was uh, the editor of Arrowhead Addict. And I, I, I said, did they give me a reason to pick against them? I'll pick against them until they give me a reason to pick them. And if they give me a reason to pick them, I'll keep picking them. And I saw with my own eyes the way they played against the Bills. I thought they could do it again. They did. And I saw my own with my own eyes the way they played against the Bucks. And I think they're going to do it again. And I think this time it won't be as close. I got it. Chiefs 34, Bucks 23. Birdram? We're, we're pretty close. Uh, I picked Kansas City to win 30 to 20. I think Kansas City is just significantly better. I think the most underrated storyline of this game is Kansas City is a very good defense. And nobody's talking about it. Everybody is so focused on Tampa's front four and the offenses and the quarterbacks. You haven't heard anything about the Chiefs secondary, unless you've been over at Fanside. Then you read the Legereus Need profile, you read some other stuff. But they, the Chiefs defense is really good, and it's great in the secondary. They are going to give Tampa problems in this game. I think they, I think they will hit Brady more than the Bucks hit Mahomes. And they will get after him. I would not be surprised if that score is more lopsided, but I will say 30 to 20. I think the Chiefs win. I think they're back-to-back champions. All right, y'all. Um, if you like this podcast, subscribe to us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. Please leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts. If the Chiefs lose, it might be the last time uh, we get to hear from you because Vertoram and I might throw ourselves off some balconies if yep. uh, things don't go so well. Um, but those reviews help us grow the show and bring more great content to y'all. So uh, we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. He's at, at Matt Verderam. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen. I will be stress tweeting during the game. Matt will not. Make sure you follow our lead expert at Arrowhead Addict at Matt Connor AA. Make sure you follow at Arrowhead Addict Verderam. Any any parting words? Uh, the next time we talk to everybody together uh, will be after the Super Bowl. Enjoy the game. Keep the faith. <laughs> I'm going to echo that. This is a, a, you would think maybe it could be a once in a lifetime opportunity, but it's, it's just happened two years in a row. We never know when the Chiefs are going to be back. Thanks to change fast in the NFL. So just and look, enjoy the day. I know we'll be nervous. Just enjoy the day. Like read Arrowhead Addict, listen to old episodes of this podcast and crack up at, at, at Vertoram when he's annoyed at the Chiefs. All that fun stuff, like whatever you need to do to, to blow off some steam and exercise. But just enjoy the day and, um, you know, know that we're going into this game champions. And hopefully we'll be leaving that game champions as well. And 
if you need to squirrel away some money from your from your spouses or significant others to make sure that you can buy some of that Super Bowl gear uh, without getting in trouble, you might want to start moving that money around now and have a plan. I think it's really important. I've done some some some, some shell game over on my side, so um, just a little advice from me because I think we'll be walking away with some hardware again. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you again on Super Bowl Sunday. Thank you for listening as always. Go Chiefs. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.